out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Nice one. Thank you, Jim. Hello, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 show. And um, sometimes, or mostly, I do a show, a radio show. But I've been going through my archives and finding old interviews with various people that um, I probably put out on various shows over the years. But I thought I should archive them. You get to that age in life. And this is one I did with the filmmaker Lucy Dawkins, who had done one on Sarah Records. It was titled My Secret World. Um, Check it out. It might just change your life. Sarah Records, obviously the independent record label based in Bristol and started by Claire and Matt. Anyway, this is the interview with Lucy. That's the main thing. And um, yes, it's unedited, so there's probably lots of little glitches. But who cares? Just enjoy it and then go and watch the film. Thank you, Lucy. Take it away. This is great. Oh, look. Oh, look, Lucy, thank you ever so much for uh, uh, talking to me because this is about the release of the film um, about the wonderful Sarah Records. That um, was this independent record label that was from Bristol from the late 80s to the mid-90s, wasn't it? So, look, how did this film... Because somebody who grew up being obsessed with indie pop from the the good old days of probably 83 onwards, how did, um, how did this film sort of come to fruition? Well, um, I was a fan of Sarah Records at the time. I discovered Sarah Records through Matt's Charlotte Flexi Disc. And then when Sarah started, I naturally gravitated on to buying the Sarah releases. So, and I was also living in Bristol at the time when I approached Claire and Matt to make the documentary. Sorry, I can hear a bit of an echo on here. Right. <laughs> a bit distracting. So, um, yeah, I approached Claire and Matt with my idea just because I was kind of living in Bristol and uh, Sarah Records wasn't very well known in the city at all. And um, I just felt it was time that someone revisited the label. Yeah, absolutely. Look, for those, I just realised, for those who haven't come across their records, can you just give us an idea of what it is, or was, should I say, and, um, you know, the importance in musical culture? Ooh, um, let me have a quick think about that. Um, Well, I think Sarah Records released a really unique style of music, um, I suppose you'd say it was kind of in the jangly indie uh, vein of music that was around in the late, early, mid-80s, early, That's early right. 90s. Uh, uh, they tended to have a sort of jangly, pop-orientated approach to writing songs, a lot of the artists on the label, with, quite often with quite heartfelt lyrics. Yeah. I guess you could sum it up as yeah. but it was um essentially pop music and disposable throwaway pop music was what matt haynes one of the label founders always used to like to refer it to it as yeah because i mean obviously mm. it was founded um by claire and matt you know in the sort of i suppose it was towards the late late it, 80s wasn't it, it well was, um, the 80, label so. ran from 1980 Seven to 1995, so eight years of operation. And obviously, for those who sort of come, might have come across it or not, um, the NME had brought out the year before uh, the C86 cassette, which was had 22 tracks. That that also had a very sort of indie pop 
quality, you know, like production wasn't huge and the sort of some of the musical ability was sort of slightly hit and miss, but it was fun and everyone loved it. And frankly, I thought it was fantastic at the time and still do. And and sort of Sarah Records sort of took that baton almost, didn't it? They came after that period. Yeah, I mean, they were very much influenced by the punk do-it-yourself attitude to making music. Um, you didn't have to have any money, you didn't have to even be able to play your instruments particularly well. Um, I know Claire, one of the founders, liked to say... You just needed to have three, three. You needed to know three chords, and then off you went. So, yeah, it was that approach of just, just going for it, and it was more about attitude and uh, desire to just create something more than like ability or having lots of money behind you. Absolutely, because I think one of the things that came over, and I remember the reason I sort of came across Sarah Records so much was obviously. As everyone's going to say, is the John Peel show, he played quite a lot of the, the material mm. from it, didn't he? And that's where I came across things like the Field Mice, the um, Orchids, and also a band that I absolutely loved at the time, which was the Hit Parade, and I still do. So it, it they were sort of, they were musicians or bands who seemed to me to have a certain outsider quality without actually looking like they wanted to start a fight, I suppose. They sort of were quite happy sort of being just like doodling away on their guitars, writing poetical kind of songs, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the interesting things that I discovered during the making of the documentary was that um, I, I one of the questions I asked members of the band's um, former artists of the Sarah label was, um, do you feel like being on Sarah held you back? And people, the general answer was no, because none of them were doing it to be successful. None of them wanted to sell you know thousands of records on get on top of the pops they just wanted to do what they did and they considered the fact that claire and matt released their records and gave them that chance was was just fantastic and they were happy with that but then saying that the hit parade were actually actually really really popular in japan and were signed to a major layout there so the hit parade were the one band on sale i think that were very very successful, but albeit not in the UK. Yeah, and that was that was that featured the one and only um, Julian Henry, actually, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, and again, because by theirs was um, a song which God John Peel played. I remember it was actually because he also had a World Service song called "I'll See You in Nirvana." Uh, Nirvana. Nirvana. I yeah. And it ha was just Havana, wasn't it? Havana. That's yeah. the one. And again, it you know it was one of those kind of. It was very, I suppose you would call it slightly, it was very sensitive and it was very, I suppose you could say, is it fey would be the right word to, to describe things like the hit parade? You know, it was very yeah. sort of, it was quite a delicate and soft quality. Yeah. Which, um, which obviously, was, was, there was a market for people like um, that music from people like me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that was another thing that I have discovered during the making of the documentary was how much more feeling, you know, how attached to the label so many people are now. I mean, that was quite a delightful thing during the course of making the My Secret World was the number of fans that got in touch and just were so overjoyed that I was making this documentary because Sarah Records meant so much to them at the time and it still means a lot to people now. And I think that's really quite unusual for a tiny record label that nobody's heard of, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, it obviously really struck a chord with people, and like I say, it, it, their records are, 
are even more popular now than I think they were at the time because so many young people who weren't even born when Sarah was in, in existence have discovered the label over recent years and, you know, the, like I said, Sarah Records is even more popular than ever. Well, I think the interesting thing with um, these kind of occasions is that there's a sort of nostalgia which can be both good and bad because sometimes it puts stuff into a sort of a category of sort of a museum, which I don't mm. think is always good, and you put it behind a, a glass cabinet and look at it and sort of occasionally go, well, that was very nice and reminisce. But I think there's the other thing that actually you start to get to a point where you'd quite like to hear some of the music again. And if you had a flexi-disc or you had a, an old cassette that you, you know, just a few songs, you, you start to look via the internet of whether you can just go and buy the album now on a CD or, you know, MP3. And I think that's when people start saying, well, where did that all go? And I suppose people who've got the master copies could say, well, actually, we could just put this out. And some of it can sound magical and some of it can just be like, well, that was interesting in a nice way. Yeah, I mean, I never sat out to be nostalgic in the making of the documentary. Um, like you say, why did I want to make the documentary? One of the reasons was I think the music Sarah released never reached a wide enough audience at the time. So I'm hoping that through making My Secret World, more people are aware of the music they released. And also... I think so much of the music really has stood the test of time, you know. Um, so much of the music sounds incredibly fresh. Orchids, the field mice, Blue Boy, even as we speak. I mean, I could go on yeah. and list every single artist on the label. It still sounds incredibly accomplished and fresh. And you know? what, um, you know, did, did you manage to track down most of the um, people from these bands, you know, that you mentioned? Yeah, I did. I um, uh, Through social media, you know, um, it's quite easy to sort of track anyone down these days, I think. Yeah. And the majority of people that I approached were very, very happy to be to be interviewed and were really helped and contribute to the making of the documentary. Fantastic. Do, did you find that they were also, had they stayed in music and, and continued or was it a case that they just felt that they had their sort of I don't know, two, three, four years doing it and then sort of moved on? Or, or what happened to most of these characters? Um, it's a real split, actually. Some people have carried on recording. Um, uh, Bobby Ratton from the Field Mice, for example, still records. And and then the other members of the Field Mice, for example, Anne-Marie and Michael, they're doing completely different jobs. I think they're working in finance, you know. So there's a real split there. I know quite a lot of the artists still make music as a hobby, um, I can't think of anyone that's actually, apart from Bobby, I can't think of anyone that's doing it sort of full time. No, because I sort of haven't sort of also been curious with the other sort of indie bands and labels from that 80s period. You know, it's been quite interesting that a lot, you know, had their feel and realised that they'd had enough and probably didn't have much more creativity to do so they've sort of gone off but then they've sort of reformed recently and I don't think personally it's about the money because they didn't make any probably then and they're definitely not going to make any now but I think sometimes it's that moment where probably people in their 50s or late 40s are just thinking actually it'd be quite nice to have a little go again and just kind of play some of those songs. Yeah I mean uh, Secret Shine have carried on going and the Orchids still play but I but they've all got full-time jobs and do other things you know so they've carried on those bands um, just because they obviously enjoy playing and it, it's a big part of their lives. But I think a lot of the people on Sarah kind of realised that the music industry possibly wasn't for them. Yeah. I think they realised that it's possibly not 
a fantastic environment for unless you're a certain kind of person so I think rather than like running out of creativity they purposely thought this isn't for us yeah absolutely and so look the DVD has come out hasn't it the DVD is just about to come out um this whole production's been very DIY. I've been very inspired by the spirit of Sarah, I guess you could say. So I funded the whole documentary myself. Um, it's being uh, independently distributed by myself. I've actually been lucky enough that uh, Rough Trade want to help distribute this special edition of the DVD. Yeah. And this special edition of the DVD is going to be out. I'm going to stick my neck out and say... November the 1st, Fantastic. <laughs> even though I still have a few things to put in place. Yeah. And it's going to contain 85 minutes of extra content, a fold-out poster, a zine, and a set of postcards. So I'm um, presenting it very much in the same way that Claire and Matt used to present their uh, releases with a lot of love and attention. Fantastic. And now, for those who want to get a copy, especially as Christmas is around the corner, yeah. how, do, how do people yes, track this down, by the way? So Rough Trade will be selling it, so on the Rough Trade site, and also I'm going to be selling it, so people can visit my website, storyofsarahrecords.com, yeah. and also I'm on Twitter, yeah. at, I think I'm at sarahrecords.doc, and I'm on Facebook. Brilliant. So if you do a search for My Secret World, the Story of Sarah Records, you'll find all the details of how to get hold of a copy. Amazing, yes. And it's, um, like I said, yes, www.storyofsarahrecords.com, My Secret World, the DVD. Look, Lucy, well, look, thank you ever so much for talking to me. It's Great, been amazing. And I'll keep in touch because, you know, I just think what you've done is a fantastic job to keep this going. And oh, thanks very much. You know, really, you know, hats off and all that. But, um, yeah, thanks ever so much. Thank you. Thanks for taking the interest. Yeah, God, no, it's great. It's good stuff. Okay, thanks, Sarah. Lovely uh, talking to you. Lucy, sorry. Bye. 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 There you go. I was confused. The recording levels were a bit low. It was all a bit hit and miss, wasn't it? Anyway, that was quite a few years ago, and that was with um, Lucy Dawkins talking about the film My Secret World, which tells the story of the famous record label Sarah Records. Anyway, this has been David Eastall. Do you want my contact details? No, not really. Anyway, have a great week.